Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Church. My name is Faith. I'm a part of the welcome team and a part of the wonderful Martin's Life group. <laughs> so um, the scripture for today is from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for every, that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Faith, good morning, church. You guys enjoying the Olympics? All right, who has, uh, Britain's doing well, I'm enjoying it. Um, Who has uh, found themselves watching a sport you've either never heard of or never watched before this week with an intense passion, like it's the World Cup final or something? Yeah, like, so I found myself watching field hockey for the first time in my life. I found myself watching judo for the first time in my life, Uh, women's uh, judo. I've never, I didn't know that was a sport, but yeah, apparently it is. And I found myself watching it this week. I love the Olympics and, and all the, uh, you know, the, the nations being gathered together. And uh, I always feel like it's a little glimpse of heaven, you know, the opening ceremonies when everybody comes in. But I love the Olympics for all kinds of reasons. Well, this morning, I wanted to uh, start by sharing with you um, about one of the most memorable weeks of my entire life. And uh, about a year after Lauren and I got married, we moved to North Africa to serve as missionaries. And in our time there, um, one of the things that we were part of our part of our uh, way of being there was to um, provide medical relief in this nation because it was a poor nation; their medical system wasn't uh, wasn't that great. So we were looking for ways to help out. And one of the the projects that we did was we partnered with. Uh, uh, an ophthalmologist from the United States, a Christian ophthalmologist that we had met before we moved abroad. And uh, he was an extraordinary individual. And every year he would donate two or three weeks of his time where he and his team would travel all over the world and provide free eye care to the poor and needy of the world. So we invited him to come to our nation to join us. And in 2006, he, he came with his team and, and his family to our little country in North Africa and conducted a week-long series of eye clinics all over the country. And so it was amazing. You know, the, the, uh, the Bush Telegraph is very effective. Um, we're not sure how word got out, but word 
passed quickly uh, throughout the, every village that we went to. That there was an American doctor there giving free eye care, and people just came out of the woodwork uh, to see this doctor. And it was, um, you know, we saw all kinds of different conditions, but the main thing that, that he was treating were cataracts. And in case you don't know, um, cataracts are... Are, are, are where the, if you have like a buildup of protein in the lens of your eye, um, it, it kind of makes your eye, your, your vision cloudy, and it can get worse and worse to the point where you can be partially or fully blinded by them. And so what we, these people had lived most of their lives in the desert without sunglasses or any sort of eye protection, and that can kind of cause cataracts to, to happen more regularly. And so this was a, a huge problem. And so uh, we spent that week operating on some of the people there that, uh, that had cataracts. I think we've got some pictures here. And the cool thing is, you know, modern medicine has made it really, uh, cataracts a really treatable condition. And so, you know, we would go and set up these little, um, the, these operating rooms in schools and, and places in these little villages and operate on these eyes. And what was incredible was these people, they would, they would come in and they'd often be operated on the same day they arrived. And then the next day you take the patch off and their vision would be restored. It was really amazing. And so, but one of my, I guess, most astonishing memories was this woman who arrived one day, and she was completely blind. She had cataracts in both eyes, just clouded over, and she hadn't been able to see in 17 years. And she had surgery on both eyes, and I'll never forget the day after we removed, the, the next day when we removed both bandages, and she opened her eyes, and she was able to see. And, and we know it had been 17 years because her nephew was there with her, and she'd never seen him before. She only recognized his voice, but she'd never seen him, and suddenly she was able to look on him for the first time. And you can imagine the rejoicing that took place when this woman who couldn't see for 17 years finally regained her sight. As I said, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life, just watching the transformation happen in these people. But I think of that story often whenever I read this passage that, we, that we're uh, looking at today, because it, 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 in that story, it's a physical example of a spiritual principle that Jesus is talking about here. It's what I'm calling the power of perception. It's this, you know, the, these people that had cataracts blocking their, their vision, they, <laughs> they, it, it rendered them either partially or fully blind. And in the same way, we can have things that, that, caught, that hinder our spiritual vision, that can rend us spiritually blind. And you see, when Jesus was, uh, if you read through the Gospels, he regularly used eyes as a metaphor for our ability as humans to, to perceive spiritual reality and spiritual truth. And so um, he, he talked about it regularly, that the, that the eyes allow us to, essentially, you know, we talk about it in church a lot, the eyes of our heart. And that's kind of the, the, the idea is that that is how we're able to see the, the, the spiritual truths that God is wanting us to understand, to see the things of God and the ways of God. And, you know, just as our natural eyesight impacts the quality of our lives, you know, for the good, the quality of our eyesight impacts the quality of our lives, so the quality of our spiritual eyesight impacts the quality of our spiritual lives. And in this passage that we're looking at today, Jesus is highlighting that. That's what he's talking about here. Let's look at it again. He says, 
Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Now, when, I read, when I've read this passage in the past, I've always just kind of taken it as an exhortation not to look at stuff that I shouldn't be looking at, you know, not to watch movies that, uh, you know, don't glorify the things that, that, uh, that, that don't honor God. And, you know, that's a good thing to do. We shouldn't watch stuff that, doesn't, uh, that contains things that don't honor or glorify God. But that's not actually what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about the condition of our spiritual sight, our spiritual perception. He's talking about whether or not you've got a healthy eye or an unhealthy eye. So to understand this passage, though, you've got to understand he's, using, he's employing three different metaphors here. He's using eyes, which, as I mentioned, is a, kind of a, a metaphor for our spiritual perception. He's using light, which represents God and his ways and his truth. And he's using darkness, which represents deception. It represents evil. It represents separation from God. And so if, if you want to, I've just taken the liberty to kind of paraphrase this passage, because here's what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, your spiritual perception is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your spiritual perception is healthy, your whole body is filled with God and his truth and his freedom. But when it is bad, your body is filled with evil, bondage, and deception. So Jesus's point here is that our spiritual eyes can be healthy or they can be unhealthy. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. It, and it's, the, the, the thing about it, it's, like, it's kind of like a filter. You know, uh, how we see things, especially when, you know, when our eyes are unhealthy, it's like a filter or an unconscious bias that we carry around with us all the time. And here's the thing. If, you're, if your eyesight, your spiritual eyesight, your spiritual perception is unhealthy, you don't know it. <laughs> it, it, it feels true. You don't realize that you're seeing life through an unhealthy filter. It's like, you know, if you wore sunglasses all the time, eventually you would not factor in the fact that, you know, you're seeing things kind of tinted from what the world normally is like. But as we've talked about before, feelings aren't always a reliable indicator of truth. And just because you feel something doesn't mean that it's true, which is why Jesus gives us this troubling warning in verse 35. Look what he says. He says, make sure that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. Now, I find this really troubling. Jesus is giving us a stern warning here that we can, we can have what we think is light, and it's actually darkness. We can be looking at something that we think is good, and it's actually bad, or something that we think is bad that is actually good, and that's a scary thought, and, and it's one of the challenges of the spiritual life is having discernment because evil will often try to appear as something good. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He said this, that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, evil doesn't come to tempt us and, and, and to try to deceive you with something that is obviously evil. He comes with something that looks good on the surface, something that looks inviting, something that looks life-giving, something that will lure us in. I mean, if we could see, you know, if an alcoholic at the very beginning of his journey could see where that journey was going to take him into, you know, maybe losing his family, losing his money, you know, uh, being homeless or whatever the case might be, that he would never do that. What he sees is, oh, this is going to make you feel good. 
This is just going to be a little relief from all the pressure that you're facing. So that's why Jesus is giving us this warning, because what we see and what we perceive isn't always what we think it is. And we've got to have healthy spiritual eyes to discern between what is true and what is false, what is right, what is wrong, what is honoring and pleasing to God, and what isn't. So he's giving us this warning here that I don't want you to miss, and it's this, faulty perception leads to deception. If you could summarize this whole message, it's that faulty perception leads to deception. And any of us can be deceived. And Jesus wouldn't be telling us this if he wasn't really, if this wasn't really important, if it wasn't something that any of us could fall into. And so he's highlighting here the importance of being able to see clearly. And, and by the way, I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, believing in Jesus and the historical creeds of the church. This isn't just about getting your theology right. This is about the kind of deception that, lead, that corrupts our character, that changes how we, how we interact with other people, how well we're able to love people, how well we're able to love God. There's different things that affect our spiritual perception, things that give us like unhealthy spiritual sight. For example, you know, let's just say that, that uh, you, you're having a hard time forgiving someone. We know that unforgiveness is something that can damage your spiritual sight, your ability to see things, because when you don't forgive somebody, then bitterness takes root, and that bitterness becomes a filter that you see life through. You begin to view other people maybe with, with more cynicism. You, you don't trust people as much. You become more angry or short-tempered with people. Eventually, that could lead to hatred and hating people that had nothing to do with the original fence. But you don't see that drift that you're, that's happened because that, uh, that unforgiveness just becomes a part of your filter that, through which you see life. It becomes the, your unhealthy eyes that you're seeing and perceiving life through. But you don't realize that it's, that, that it's affecting, that you're not seeing reality the way that you should. Another example might be uh, unhealed wounds and trauma from the past. You know, if you experience something difficult, abuse of some sort, or, 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 or a really difficult experience, if that doesn't get healed and dealt with, then it can, it can cause our spiritual perception to be skewed. For example, let's say someone was neglected as a child. Their parents just ignored them. Then they carry around this wound of rejection, and it becomes the filter through which they're, they're seeing life. And there's this terrible fear that they're going to be rejected. And so they often can be very clingy in relationships and very demanding in relationships and give me all your attention and very sensitive to the slightest hint of rejection. And they'll really react strongly to it. And it may just be that it's a normal relationship and, and, and they're interpreting things that might feel like rejection to them. They're interpreting normal things as rejection. And that's because they have an unhealthy spiritual perception. Or what about spiritual warfare? And the Bible talks about this war that is waged uh, between, uh, uh, between for the souls of men and, and the existence of demons. We see Jesus casting demons out of people throughout the Gospels. 
And demons come to, to help to, to deceive us into believing lies about God and about ourselves and about others. And what it does is it, it, it gives us an unhealthy, a sick eye, so to speak, um, uh, and it damages our spiritual perception so that we're not seeing reality the way that it is. And you see that in those stories, those accounts that you read in the Bible. These people become a, a danger to themselves. They become a danger to others. They're not seeing reality the way it is. But again, all of this feels very real when you're in the middle of it. You can't necessarily see that you, you, you've, you've fallen into deception of one sort or another. And that's why Jesus is inviting us to examine, to make sure that the light we have is not actually darkness. Now, that can apply to our theology, as I said, but I, I think it applies to us, especially as Christians, in the areas of the way, in, in the area of the way that we interact with people. And all of us have this to some degree. I, I don't want you to say, you know, you might think, oh, it's just me that I have this. I think all of us have different places, different filters that we've, we've believed because we've, we've strayed from the truth of God or we've been wounded in some way or, or there's been spiritual warfare. All of us have places like this, and I believe God is committed. That's why Jesus says, brings all this up, is because he wants us to see clearly. He wants us to be able to perceive his truth. So, it seems like the issue that Jesus is, the, the point that Jesus is getting at here is that we've got to make sure that we'll, we're seeing clearly, that we have a healthy spiritual perception, but the question is how? How do we ensure that we have healthy spiritual eyesight? I think we start by humbling ourselves before God. James 4, 6, and 7 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does that look like? What does it mean to humble yourself before God? Well, it can look like all kinds of things, but, but the heart posture of somebody that's humbling themselves before God is somebody that admits, you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't know what I'm doing. I need God. I need his help. I need his, his wisdom. I need his direction. I, we don't always see, I, you, you have to admit, I don't always see clearly, and I need God to come and give me his perspective. And that's a big step for a lot of people. I mean, it sounds, maybe you've been around church for a while, and that sounds like, yeah, well, of course, but really? Like, are you really willing to say, God, I need you in every aspect of your life? You know, for me, humbling myself before God, one of the ways that it looks is, is every, there's a prayer that I pray almost every day. And, and I usually regret it if I don't pray, but it's this, God, help me to see as you see. Help me to see as you see. Because I recognize that, that many of the situations I'm in, I see things through the filter of my frustration, my anger, my disappointment, my, my hurt, all the different things that we, we've mentioned already. I, I can see things wrongly, so help me, God, to see as you see. So, for example, Lord, with that person that's really getting on my nerves right now, help me to see them as you see them. Lord, with that person that, that is uh, really hurting me right now, help me to see them as you see them. Lord, when... when um, Lord, with that issue that's going on in my family, Lord, help me to see it the way that you see it. With that, with that need that I have financially, help me to see that the way that you see it. With that issue um, that, of, you know, that, that injustice that's happening in our city, Lord, help me to see everyone involved with that the way that you see it. 
We're asking for his perspective. We're asking for his wisdom in how to do that. That's a part of what it means to humble yourself before the Lord. Now, I, I was listening to uh, John Bevere, who's a well-known Christian speaker. Many of you have heard of him. But uh, he was talking about this uh, in a message I was listening to recently. And he tells the story of how he, was, he and his wife, Lisa, were in a really difficult season in their marriage. This is a long time ago. But they had gone through 18 months that were extremely difficult. And one day they'd had yet another argument. And John was so angry that he, he just stormed out of the house and went for a walk to try to cool off. And while he was out walking, he said, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me because I just can't even stand to be in the same room with Lisa right now. You're going to have to speak to me. You're going to have to give me your perspective. He didn't really expect God to answer him in that moment, but he did. And God said to him, son, I want you to begin to thank me for the attributes that you appreciate about your wife. And so John took a deep breath and through gritted teeth began to say, all right. Thank you, God, that Lisa is uh, a good mother. Thank you that she is um, a good cook. Thank you that she is very nurturing. Thank you that she is really great at loving and discipling other women. Thank you, Lord, that she is, uh, th that she is just so intelligent and smart. I, I so appreciate that about her. And then he began to, as he as he started to think about the things he was grateful for about his wife, it just began to pour out of him, and his heart shifted, and in a split second, God moved him from this place of hurt and offense and resentment and trying to get even and anger towards his wife to a place of gratitude for her. He went from having a, a, a bad spiritual perception to a good spiritual perception. He began to see his wife the way God saw her, and he stopped in his tracks, and he's like, Bevere, you are such an idiot. <laughs> why are you living in conflict with your wife? You have the most amazing wife. And he quickly walked back to his house and he walked in and he said, Lisa, I just want to tell you how thankful I am for you. And she was kind of skeptical. And he says, no, listen, I'm serious. You are an amazing mother and, and you're a really great cook and, and, and you're really nurturing and, and loving towards every person that you meet. And, and you're so wise. I love the wisdom that you carry. And he just began, it just began to pour out of him all over again. And she began to soften. And that began the healing that they needed in their marriage. See, a faulty spiritual perception, at least for John, was, was really damaging his relationship with his wife. It wasn't her problem. It was his problem. But in a moment of just being willing to listen to God, willing to humble himself and ask God for help, and then obey what God told him to do, God was able to transform his spiritual perception and bring restoration in their marriage. So if you're having problems with someone this morning, I mean, maybe a practical application for you is to, to ask God, Lord, would you help me to see them the way that, that you see them? Instead of, you know, we tend to focus on all the things that people have done to hurt or offend us. We tend to focus on all the, the, the pain that they've caused, but maybe, maybe the issue isn't so much the things they've done to you, but it's the way that you see them, the way that, you, that, that your perception is causing you to react to the way that they're behaving. So humbling ourselves before God, asking him for help, asking him for his perspective can give us healthy spiritual eyesight. But there's something else that we can do, and that is humbling ourselves 
before others. Humbling ourselves before others. Ephesians 5.21 says this. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Look, sometimes we can be so blind to our spiritual blind spots, so to speak. We can be so blind to the filters that we're living life with that not even God can get through to us. Not even God can get our attention. And that's why God has put us in a community called the church, the body of Christ. We need other people. I know I say this a lot, but I think it needs to be said in our culture. Christianity is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be lived in community. And one of the reasons for that is that community helps us see our blind spots. Community helps us identify where we've got filters in our lives or unhealthy spiritual perception that is damaging ourselves and damaging other people. And so when we humble ourselves for, to other people, before other people and ask for their input, they're able to point out things that we might not be able to see ourselves. Now, let's be honest, this is, this is painful. I mean, it's, it's, if I'm truly honest, it is painful for me, even on minor things, when somebody's like, hey, you've got like uh, food stuck in your teeth, like, you know, you've got like a blueberry stuck right over your teeth, <laughs> why don't you uh, take care of that? Or you've got really bad breath, and it's like, ugh. But I would far rather somebody tell me about that than me going around with food stuck in my teeth all day or really bad breath. How much more true for things that are actually damaging myself or, or hurting the people around me? I want that feedback. And so often, I, I, I can't hear God because, as I said, it, this has become our normal. We don't, we don't even recognize that something's wrong. So we need community around us to give us input and feedback into our lives so that we can identify those things where, where we're not seeing things right, where our spiritual perception is off. And the older I get... The, more I, the less I realize that I know, and the more that I realize I need outside perspectives to help me see things, to help me see past my own biases, to help me see past my own weaknesses. And so what this looks like for me is, you know, often um, if I am worked up about something, or if I'm trying to make a major decision, or, uh, you know, just uh, in, even in discipleship relationships, I'll invite people to speak into my life. And just real practically, you know, Lauren and I were talking about this when we were talking about this message that a pretty routine thing for us is if I'm frustrated or upset about something, I will process the whole thing with her. I'll tell her all the reasons I'm frustrated. And then I'll say, okay, that's what's going on. What do you think? What, what do you see? What am I missing here? And she begins to tell me. And she is, the, that's the great thing about Lauren. She's not afraid to tell me things that she knows I may not want to hear, but things that I need to hear. She might say, hey, I think you're, you're, you're overreacting a little bit here. <laughs> I think you might be uh, reading more into this situation than, than, you, uh, than is actually here. There's all kinds of situations like that. I do the same thing with Ian. I get his input on things all the time. I mean, this is the kind of thing, it's not, it's not a difficult thing to do all this. And, you know, we do this all the time. This doesn't have to just be a church thing. You know, think about it. Like, if you have a medical issue and you're not sure what to do, what do you do? You go to a doctor and you get their advice and their input on how, what's happening with you medically. Uh, if you have legal questions, what do you do? You go to a solicitor, you get their input. If, you're, if your car is having issues and you're not sure how to fix it, what do you do? You take it to a mechanic, you get their advice on what's wrong and how to fix it. This doesn't, we don't have to over-spiritualize this, but I think when it comes to issues of our character, issues of our faith, major decisions, we think we've got to make it all on our own. We think we've got to just do this all by ourselves. 
but we have a whole community of people in the church that we can turn to and get their input. Now, I realize you can't like, you know, get that kind of input from everybody, but I want to encourage you to find people in your life that are willing to not just be yes men and say, you know, just agree with whatever you say and just go along with it, because we all know that you can find people that will give you feedback that is just going to agree with whatever you're wanting them to say, and that doesn't turn out well. I think we'd all agree, but to find those people that can give you real, that love you enough to tell you the truth. And if you don't have those people in your life right now, that's not just going to magically materialize. You've got to take the initiative. And maybe you need to go to somebody in your life group. It might, might be somebody in this church. It might be somebody outside the church. I mean, but if it's somebody that you trust, somebody that's going to give you, out, you know, honest feedback, then it's okay. You can ask them for input. You can go to them and say, hey, listen, I, I've got this decision. I'm not really sure about what I'm doing right now, and I need your input on this. I mean, I, I, I've, the older I get, the more I do this and the more freedom I find in being able to ask people that have more experience, more wisdom than me on a whole range of topics, not just, you know, my character, but all kinds of issues and getting their input. And man, it sets me free and it exposes ways that I might be thinking wrongly about something. So Jesus brings all this up, and he gives us this warning to, you know, make sure that the light that you have is not darkness. And he, he encourages us to have healthy eyesight for a purpose. And look how he ends this passage here. He says, if you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then the, your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Man, that's a beautiful passage. See, that's God's desire for us. See, this isn't just about you. I mean, it is about you. God wants you free. Doesn't that sound like freedom there? No dark corners in your life. Can you imagine that? No dark corners. No, no issues that are, that are holding you back. No, no darkness where, where there's just you know, deception or there's, there's despair, there's hopelessness. Can you imagine that? None of that. That's what God's desire is for each one of us. But it's not just about you. It's about all, that you, all the people that you interact with, your sphere of influence. God wants you to be radiant as though a floodlight were shining through you. What an image, a floodlight shining through you with the life of God, the joy of God, the freedom of God, that, that the people that are around you look at and say, man, there's something different about that person. And the thing that I think that hinders us from being radiant a lot of times is these unhealthy spiritual perspectives and perceptions. So this is so important for us. This is so important for us to learn to be able to see things the way God sees them. This is why the Bible is so important for us. We've got to spend time in the Word. Let the Word saturate our hearts and minds and expose those false beliefs. We've got to humble ourselves before God and allow Him to speak to us and expose the things that are hindering us. We've got to humble ourselves before other people, letting them speak into our lives. And when, when that happens, man, who doesn't want to be radiant? Who doesn't want to be filled with the light of God? That's God's desire for us. Let me pray for you. Father, we feel the sobriety of this warning today that, that faulty perception can lead to deception. And Lord, we need your help. We say, God, if it's just up to us, we're going to end up in a ditch every time. We're going to have unhealthy spiritual eyesight. 
And just like, you know, the, the, those people that, that came to the eye clinic, Lord, that, that had physical blockages with their eyes, we're, we could so easily have spiritual blockages that, that render us spiritually blind. And Lord, we don't want to be that. God, we want to be radiant and full of your light. So Lord, I pray for every person that's here this morning, every person that's listening online, Lord, that you would expose those places where our hearts are, are damaged, where, it's, where, it's, where we have unhealthy spiritual perception. And God, we ask that you would set us free today. God, we ask that you give us the courage to go to those places and, and deal with what we find there. And maybe we need you to, to heal something from our past. Maybe we need to repent of sin. Maybe we need prayer to, be, to have spiritual warfare lifted off of us. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you would guide us into that place of freedom and life and joy that you have promised us. God, the abundant life that you came to give us. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.